and for all the shepherds, a greater purpose. Open this world to the winding path. Light the way where I wish to roam. Across the seas of infinity for this weary traveler far from home. This is The Lost Tribe. Welcome back to The Lost Tribe, Sins of the Father. As always, I am the author and your humble narrator, Peter Ivey. This week we'll be reading from chapters 19 and 20. If you are enjoying this podcast, please follow and subscribe to help me keep bringing the story to you. Thank you very much. Let's begin. Chapter 19 I know you are there. Apostles, bring Nick to me, and all will be forgiven. Noxus's voice was deep and resonating, and tinged with a definite undertone of impatience. I had no doubt that if anyone in a few miles radius had also been called Apostos, they might have just shot themselves. I was close. Henry, his hair whiter than usual with plaster dust, puffed at one of his locks that hung in front of him. I uh, think it's for you, he said. Half the top floor had crumbled from the front onward. We were lying on the other side of where Noxus's axe had impacted. There was a good chance that the place was not long for this world. We had to get out of here and find the others. Make sure they're okay. Them, yes, but not us. Say again, Apostos? Noxus has found me because he can sense my presence. The others will get away without issue, but us, not so much. Oh, that's great. What's great? Henry asked. Apostus is saying that the very bad man with the axe is outside his father's beating stick, and guess who he's homed in on? Henry pulled his pistol from his coat and pounded his chest lightly. Word is bond. (laughs) Let's get him. Another huge strike hit the building, and a little more of our hiding spot crumbled away. I heard a groaning, and I watched as the ceiling started to give way in the area beside us. We either made a break for it now, or we'd be taking the express route to the main floor very shortly along... Well, with the top floor. Portal out, back to your world, I said. I'm going to crawl down the elevator shaft and get the others to do the same. What about you? I'll follow when it's safe. It's not been safe yet. Okay, less dangerous then. Okay. Deal. Make sure to come safe or I'll electrocute your testicles, he said, grinning. Henry drew a design into the air and disappeared into it. I crawled quickly over to the elevator and nudged the gate open. I slipped inside and pulled out my sword. I got to my feet and drove the sword downward, cutting into the floor to make room for myself. I kicked out the rest of the boards and paneling and dropped down, grabbing hold of the remaining floor. The elevator shaft had a maintenance ladder built into the side. I spied it off to my right and swung until I got enough momentum to basically throw myself at the ladder. I scrambled and managed to get one hand and one foot onto the rungs. I was lucky that jumping off boats and running for your life from people who wanted to kill you keeps you in shape. I took a breath and began to climb downwards. A voice broke from somewhere below me. I'd know that ass anywhere. I looked down and saw Casey climbing up the shaft, Takum behind her holding a small flashlight in his teeth and looking unhappy. You two have got to get out of here. I already sent Henry back to Bursingholt. You need to follow him. Why? What's going on? Large, thudding footsteps echoed from down on the main level, and I could imagine them coming right at us soon enough if Noxos was tracking Apostos by where I was. Oh, the hand of God has come to punish me. 
and he'll keep coming until I figure out how to get rid of him. Now, would you please portal out before I get all of you killed? Takum reached his hand out and began to shape a portal on the far wall. Casey looked up at me from down below. This is a lousy way to get out of an argument. Take care of everyone until I get there, love. I'll be fine. You really believe that? My mother raised me on fairy tales, so sure, I believe it. I love you, Mick. I know. Get going before the psycho downstairs cuts us in half. Takum grabbed her, and they leapt into the portal on the far wall. <laughs> Mission accomplished. The axes punched right through the wall below me, shattering the ladder and shaking the whole shaft. Heard the elevator car above me start to groan. There was a huge tear in the shaft now, and it was about to get bigger. I had no place to go but down. I let go of the ladder and dropped downward. I caught a hold of the ledge of the tear and started to pull myself up. A huge hand grabbed me by one arm and pulled me up out of the shaft, tearing my coat and scraping me along the jagged edge. I had a terrible dizzying moment of falling uncontrollably before Oxos caught me and held me up before him. His golden eyes scrutinized me with a predatory gleam, assessing and devouring. You do not look like a pastos, so you must be Mick. Strange, I can sense him here, yet he is not. What have you done with him? He's dead. His shell was destroyed by Manon. I do not know that name. Of whom do you speak? Of course he didn't know. Why would Father tell this brute anything? It doesn't matter. Apostos is inside my head now, sharing my shell, as it were. Could you let me down? Noxos grunted and dropped me to the concrete floor. I landed on my shoulder and rolled over, holding my stomach. I reached inside my coat and felt the weight of the gun that Casey had picked out for me. It would not be my preferred way to get out of this, but it could be a good distraction. Can this guy even be killed? The sword can probably hurt him, but not kill him. The armor is the problem. The darkness can punch through it, but it would take a while. Father has sent me here to remind you to get to your task, and keep your nose out of any heretical nonsense you may encounter along the way. And if I refuse to go through with our deal? I mean, he has cheated after all. Noxos took a swing at me, but I was ready and ducked aside with ease. He was probably used to low-hanging fruit that went down without a fight. Father does not lie. He does not cheat. Oh, he did. And he does, Noxos. Since you know my name, do you also know that such arguments are pointless? Just shut up and obey, is that right? Yes. Or be punished. I pointed at him. Then you can tell Father this. No. Is that all you have to say before I crush your heretical soul? Well, there is one more thing. The gun swapped into my hand. It was semi-automatic with ten rounds in the clip. I fired everyone into his face. He fell backward, grabbing at his wounded head. Thank you, Casey. I bolted for the warehouse doors and cleared them just as Noxus began screaming for my blood. The bullets would just piss him off. I needed to tip the spite in my favor, somehow. This neighborhood was quiet, save for our little conflict. Most of the people operating in this area were either criminals or derelicts. There would be no help to distract Noxus around here from the people. I had no idea how to operate most of the factory equipment in these places around me anyway. I wish Henry was here, damn it! Heavy footsteps thudded across the street behind me. How could I get away from something that could track me by something I couldn't remove? Maybe we can distract him. Conserve your power, I'll figure something out. I ran into an alley, hopefully narrow enough to slow Noxos down if he tried to move in. 
Then again, he might just chop his way in with those axes. I was about to start down the alley when a man dropped down, barring my way. I tried to push him out of the way, but he wouldn't budge. He held up his hand. Hold, Mick. It was Otomo. He was dressed in overalls and had no weapons that I could see. You're late. I was detained, he said. But I brought reinforcements. It seems you may need some. He pointed upwards, drawing my gaze. I pulled my sword and dodged backwards. Falker and Jack were standing on the fire escape above us. Jack lazily swung a chain in one hand, and Falker looked down at me with a reserved sense of malevolence. They made no move to attack me. You keep some interesting company, Otomo. Chapter 20 I lowered my sword and put my back up against the wall. Otomo made no move to attack me either, so that was a relief. Jack was looking worse than when I saw him before, thinner and more ragged than his usual well-kept self, no doubt due to his incarceration by Manon. Where was Penny? Falkir. Well, he was bloody Falkir. I take it you're here to help in some way, Otomo? What's happening? he asked. Falkir was the first one to perk up as Noxus approached. He leapt over to the top of the next building. Jack frowned and climbed up higher on the stairs to get a better look. He's a big one. He's father's enforcer, and he's here to punish me for defying him. <clears throat> Normally I'd let him beat you to a pulp, Mick, Felker said as Noxos drew closer. But I think we might need each other before all this is said and done. Felker cleared the building in one leap and struck a hard kick against Noxos's head. Falkir landed on his feet a few paces away and ducked the axe that Noxo swung into to decapitate him. Otomo went transparent and moved out from the alley. Jack's eyes lit up with power. I had no idea what he was doing, but I hoped it was something good. I gripped my sword in both hands and came out to face Noxos. His face was a mess. The bullets hadn't drawn blood, but had blown the tissue all to hell, leaving a gleaming skull underneath, shot full of holes. A single, gleaming golden eye looked out from the mess, and it settled on me. He swung his axe downward and chopped me in half. I went down on my knees, the sword barely holding back the ferocity of the blow. Otomo moved in, making his legs solid enough to kick Noxus's knee out from under him, sending him staggering backward a step. I got up and moved forward, sending a cut across his chest. The armor deflected it, but the sword left a distinctive scar. Noxus bellowed in rage and swung the axe in a wild arc that took out the wall behind us in a shower of broken shards of brick. I heard a ferocious howl. And Falkir jumped on his back, his wolf form complete with huge jaws and claws. He held onto Noxos' other axe, strapped across his back, and began to dig in and bite at him. Noxos struck with his free hand, landing a couple hits that pushed Falkir back, but didn't dislodge him. I struck at his breastplate, but only dented it. Otomo tried once again to kick out Noxus' legs, but he was too strong to take down that way. We both backed off as the axe went flinging around again. So hungry! Felkir growled, digging at Noxos. Noxos changed his grip upward on his axe and used it to poke at Felkir. The small bladed end cut along Felkir's chest. Felkir grabbed at the axe and locked his other arm around the neck of the giant. An engine roared in the distance, and we were all bathed in the light of several pairs of headlights from down the street. They were getting closer. Jump, Felkir! Otomo yelled. Felkir turned to see the cars coming and leapt off Noxos. The first car to run over Noxus was a little grey sedan. It hit him, and he staggered backward, bearing his axe in the hood. He had no chance to move before a larger, older red pickup plowed into him, throwing him back against the wall of the warehouse. A large, recreational vehicle was the last. It slowed down when it passed us. I saw the driver give us a green-eyed wink as it accelerated towards the warehouse. 
Noxus was bowled over beneath the vehicle. It drove him back as well and into the ruined warehouse. I knew it was coming next. The warehouse collapsed on top of Noxos, the iron wrought supports staying vertical, but all the lesser materials falling down to bury him. Tons of wood, plaster, and machinery crushed the vehicle as well. A few seconds later, a small explosion erupted from inside as it went up. I was about to move in when a hand gripped my shoulder. Jack stood by me, his eyes still glowing. I'm not done yet, Vic. I heard a great groaning of metal from above us. I looked up. A huge industrial crane was slowly moving across us from above swinging a huge girder around from some nearby construction project. Jack held up a hand to his ear as the crane's long arc moved over the warehouse. Wait! I cried. It dropped the girder. The huge piece of metal came down on the warehouse with a force of utter devastation. The impact nearly threw us off our feet, and I heard car alarms going off all around the area. A thick plume of dust rose in the air, and my ears rang with the sound of the girder's impact. Jack's eyes returned to normal, and he dusted off his hands. Are you done now? I asked him. Yes. Just needed to work out some rage, Mick. I started running towards the other vehicles, containing people that Jack had taken possession of. Don't we all, you bastard. Once again, thank you all for listening and tuning into The Lost Tribe Since the Father. Join me next week when the story continues, and remember to follow this podcast and share it to keep the story going. 